Have you ever thought what life would be like if you had never been born? In the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, George Bailey is in a state of despair. And in that state of despair, he cries out, I wish I had never been born. And Clarence, George's guardian angel, grants his request. He is given this gift of being able to see what life would be like if he had never been born, and life was entirely different. The town that George lived in, Bedford Falls, which was a quaint family town, became Pottersville, a town filled with strip clubs and crime. Mr. Gower, who was the town druggist, became the town drunk, and he spent 20 years in prison because George wasn't there to keep him from accidentally poisoning a child. His brother Harry, who was a war hero who won the Congressional Medal of Honor, died in a drowning accident because George wasn't there to save him. And all the men that Harry saved in the war died because Harry wasn't alive to save them. George's uncle was in an insane asylum. The the building and lawn that he ran had gone bankrupt because he wasn't there to run it. Bailey Park, which was a subdivision that he had built so that that lower-income families could have a home to live in, it wasn't there because he wasn't there to build it and there was a cemetery there. Life was entirely different because George Bailey never lived. When George Bailey was sitting there pondering life without him, Clarence said this, each man's life touches so many other lives and when he's not there... He leaves an awful hole. Each man's life touches so many other lives. And and when he's not there, he leaves an awful hole. And that's true. Regardless of who we are, how, how rich, how powerful, how influential. If we're not there, our life will leave a hole. I mean, think about it for just a moment. Think about what life would be like if you had never been born. I mean, my wife would not be married, at least to me, and I'm sure she wouldn't be as happy. My, my children and my grandchildren would have never been born. The, the literally thousands of people that, that I've had the privilege to lead to the Lord, I wouldn't have led them to the Lord, and, and I don't know whether they would be saved or not. The lives that I've touched and influenced and had an opportunity to disciple and minister, I I would have never touched. The 20 plus people who are now pastoring churches or, or serving as missionaries in other countries all around the world, they would be doing something else today if I had never been born. If you had never been born, you would leave a hole where your life was because regardless of who you are, Regardless of how rich, how influential, how famous, your life has touched other lives. But tonight I want us to ask the question, what would life be like if Jesus had never been born? You know, there are some people today that believe that life would be better if Jesus had never been born. Frederick Nietzsche, who was a 19th century philosopher, he is the one that coined the phrase, God is dead. He said this, Christianity is a poison that has infected the entire world. Nietzsche believes that life would be better if Jesus had never been born. 
There's a group today called the American Atheist Association, and they have placed a billboard in Times Square. It's in Times Square right now, and the billboard says, Who Needs Christ in Christmas? And then in big letters underneath, it says, Nobody. Nobody needs Christ in Christmas. But I want you to understand the truth is there wouldn't be a Christmas without Christ because Christmas is a celebration of the birth of Christ. And regardless of what anyone may say, regardless of what anyone may believe, and and regardless of what anyone may try to lead you to believe, Christ is the most influential person who has ever walked the face of the earth. Dr. James Allen Francis has written a a famous narrative that is entitled, One Solitary Life. And this is what he says in that now famous narrative. Here is a man who was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in in another village. He worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30. Then for three years, he was an itinerant preacher. He never owned a home. He never wrote a book. He never held an office, he never had a family, he never went to college, he never put his foot inside a big city. He never traveled 200 miles from the place he was born. He never did one of the things that usually accompany greatness. He had no credentials but himself. While still a young man, the tide of popular opinion turned against him. His friends ran away. One of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies. He went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While he was dying, his executioners gambled for the only piece of property he owned on earth, his coat. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave from the pity of a friend. Nineteen long centuries have come and gone. And today, he is a centerpiece of the human race and leader of the column of progress. I am far within the mark when I say that all the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever been built, all the parliaments that have ever set, and all the kings that have ever reigned put together have not affected the life of man upon earth as powerfully as this one solitary life. H.G. Wells, who wrote War of the Worlds, was, was also a famous historian. And this is what H.G. Wells said. He said, I am an historian. I am not a believer. But I must confess as a historian that this penniless preacher from Nazareth is irrevocably the very center of history. Jesus Christ is easily the most dominant figure in all history. Christ is the most unique person of history. No man can write a history of the human race without giving him first and foremost place, this penniless preacher from Nazareth. Napoleon, the great world leader, said this, I know men, and I tell you that Jesus Christ is no mere men. Between him and every other person in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. Alexander Caesar, Charlemagne, and myself founded empires. But what foundation did we rest the creation of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded an empire upon love. And at this hour, millions of men would die for him. An unknown writer penned these words. Socrates taught for 40 years. 
Plato for 50, Aristotle for 40, Jesus for only three. And yet the influence of Christ's three-year ministry infinitely transcends the impact left by the combined 130 years of teaching from these men who are among the greatest philosophers of all antiquity. Dr. G. James Kennedy, a, a great preacher of, the, of this past century, said this about Jesus. He said, Jesus Christ, the greatest man who ever lived, has changed virtually every aspect of human life. And most people don't even know it. Has Jesus changed virtually every aspect of history? Well, to begin with, Jesus has split history in half. Before Jesus was born, time was in B.C. before Christ. After Jesus' birth, time is in A.D., Anno Domini, which means in the year of our Lord. Everything in history is literally dated by the birth of Jesus Christ. Even atheistic countries have to date their constitution, have to date their works by the birth of a man that they don't even believe in. If Jesus would have never been born, the New Testament would have never been written. If Jesus would have never been born, the missionary work that has that transformed the globe would have never taken place. If Jesus would have never been born, the church would have never been born. Dr. D. James Kennedy wrote a book entitled, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? And in that book, he says this, Despite its humble origins, the church has made more changes on earth for the good than any other movement or force in history. Then he lists some of the, the things that the church either started or founded. Listen to the list. Hospitals, universities, civil liberties, benevolence and charity organizations, higher standards of justice, the elevation of the common man. And those are just a few of the things that have been the result of the church of Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus, the life of children have changed. In the ancient world, children were seen as something that you could throw away. In the Roman world, children barely lived past the year of eight. Not just because of disease and famine, but because of infanticide. They would literally kill children. But when Jesus came onto the scene, everything changed in regard to children. Jesus said, suffer the little children. Allow the little children to come into me. For such is the kingdom of God. And when the church was born, the church had a different view toward children. Abortion literally became obsolete in the church. Abandonment of children became obsolete in the church. And the church formed orphanages all around the Roman Empire so that children that were abandoned by pagans could be taken care of by Christians and could be raised in the faith. Because of Jesus, the life of children were changed. Because of Jesus, the life of, of women were changed. Before Jesus, women were seen as, as simple property. And a man could do anything that he wanted to, to a woman. If you want to know what life was like for a woman in the ancient world before Jesus, all you need to do is go to a, a, an Islamic country that is ruled by Islamic rules. And you will see how the ancient world viewed women they were seen as nothing more than pieces of property that a man could treat with, with disdain. A man could kill if he so choose. 
But when Jesus came onto the scene, Jesus treated women differently. We see that in how Jesus treated the woman at the well. We see that in how Jesus treated the, 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 the woman caught in adultery. We see that in the teachings of Paul. When, when Paul said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and, and gave himself up for it. The truth of the matter is, Jesus has changed everything about human history. Human history is not the same because Jesus entered the human race. But for a few minutes, what I want to do is share with you two things that I believe are extremely important to each and every one of us because Jesus was born. You see, if Jesus had never been born, you and I would never know what God is really like. All around the world, there are people wondering, what is God like? Is, is God a vengeful God? Is, is God a hateful God? Is God an angry God? Is, is God a distant God? Does, does God care about what is going on in my life? Is God concerned about what is happening in the human race? And there are people all around who are trying to figure this out. But because of Jesus, because Jesus came into the human race, we know what God is like. In Matthew chapter 1, this is what it says. The virgin will be with child, will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Jesus Christ came to earth, it was God coming to earth in human form. When John was trying to describe the birth of Jesus in his gospel, John said this, he said, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. And, and then it says this, No man has ever seen God, but, but God the one and only, who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. You see, Jesus didn't have his beginning in a stable 2,000 years ago. Jesus has always been and Jesus always will be. Jesus is God in the flesh. When Jesus was born in that stable, it wasn't Jesus beginning life. It was God coming to earth. And so if we want to know what God is like, all we have to do is look at Jesus. When we see Jesus' compassion to those who are hurting, we see God's compassion. When we see Jesus forgiving the brokenhearted, we see God's mercy. When we see Jesus calming the storm, we see God's power. When we see Jesus teaching the multitudes with, with truths that no man had ever heard before, we see God's wisdom. And when we see Jesus hanging on a cross... We see God's justice. You see, everything we need to know about God, we discover in Jesus Christ. We, we discover His love, His patience, His mercy, His grace, His power, His forgiveness, and even His justice. All of that is seen in Jesus. If you want to know what God is like, what you need to do is open up your Bible and immerse yourself in the Gospels. Find out everything you can about Jesus. And when you really come to know Jesus, you'll come to know God because Jesus is God. You see, 
If Jesus would have never been born, you and I would be wondering, is there a God? And if there is a God, what is that God like? But because Jesus was born, we don't have to wonder anymore. We know what God is like. But there's a second truth that, that is at least as important and perhaps more important. And that is, if Jesus had never been born, you and I would still be dead in our sins. In, in Matthew chapter 1, it says this, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Have you ever wondered why Jesus left the comfort of heaven to be born in a stable? Why he gave up a throne room to work in a carpenter shop? Why he left the worship of a heavenly host to experience the ridicule of the religious people of the world? Jesus did that for only one reason. He did it so that you and I could be saved. In Romans chapter 5 verse 8 it says this, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. You see, God created us so that we could have a relationship with him. But because of our sinful choices, because of our proud hearts, because of our rebellious spirits, that relationship has been broken. And because of our sin, we can't have that intimacy with God that we want, that we long for, that we need. You see, sin has affected each and every one of us to the point that our only hope, my only hope, your only hope, is a Savior. Someone who can redeem us, someone who can pay the price for our sins. And that's why Jesus came. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says this, Jesus personally carried the load of our sins in his own body when he died on the cross so that we can be finished with sin and live the good life. Jesus came to this earth, died on that cross. He took all of our sins upon himself so that you and I could live the life that God created us for from all eternity. Jesus didn't come to this earth to show us how to live. Jesus didn't come to this earth to teach us incredible truths. Jesus came to this earth for one reason, for one purpose, and that was to die for our sins. When Clarence was talking to to George Bailey, he said, each life touches many other lives. And if one life is not here, it leaves an incredible hole. But I want you to think for just a moment. You see, if Jesus was not here, if Jesus had not been born, his life would not leave an incredible hole. His life would would leave an uncrossable chasm that you and I could never get across. A chasm of sin that is so deep, that is so wide, that is so wicked, that none of us can get across. Jesus Christ came to this earth and he, he bridged the gap between sinful man and a holy God. And, and because Jesus was born, you and I can, 
can be forgiven of our sins because Jesus was born. You and I can have a hope beyond death because Jesus was born. You and I can have a purpose for living without Jesus. You're still in your sin. Without Jesus, you have no hope beyond the grave. And I'm here to tell you that without Jesus, you're not going to experience the purpose for which you were created. You see, Jesus changes everything. But for me, because of Jesus, I can know what God is like. Praise God. Because of Jesus, my sins can be forgiven. I can have happiness on this earth. And I can have hope beyond the grave. What about you? Tragically, all across the globe, there are going to be millions upon millions of people that celebrate a Christless Christmas this holiday season. My prayer is that you're not one of them. I want you to bow your head with me. I want you to close your eyes. And with your head bowed and with your eyes closed, I want to ask you a simple question. Has Jesus changed your life? Have you been born again? That's what Jesus called it. Has the Spirit of God come into you and made you a new person, a new creation. That's what, that's what the Bible says happens when, when God's Spirit comes into us. We become brand new. We become different. We're changed from the inside out. We no longer want to live life our way. We, we long, we hunger to live for Jesus, to love Jesus, to serve Jesus. Have you been changed because Jesus was born? If you're here tonight and you've never humbled yourself before Jesus, you've never cried out to him asking him to forgive you for your sin, you've never trusted his death on the cross to save you, you've never surrendered your life to him, I want to give you the opportunity to do that tonight. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. All you have to do is ask him. So if that's you, if you're here tonight and you're saying, Rocky, I need to have Jesus in my life, then I encourage you to pray this prayer to him right now, meaning it with all your heart. Dear Jesus, I humbly come to you tonight admitting my sin. I have disobeyed you. I've lived life apart from you. I've I've really tried to be my own God. Please forgive me. I don't want to live that way anymore. Jesus, I believe you were God. I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead, proven that you have power over sin and death. right now and I'm asking you to save me come into my heart come into my life take control from this moment on Jesus I want to live for you
because you love me. Amen. Now, with your head still bowed, your eyes still closed, if you're here tonight and you prayed that prayer and you meant it with all your heart, would you raise your hand so that we can rejoice with you? If you prayed that prayer just then and you meant it, thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. I want you to look at me. Here's what I want you to do. David talked a a little bit ago about the card that is in your seat. We'd love for you to just put your name on this card. Let us know that you're here. Um, We'd appreciate that. But if you're here tonight and you prayed that prayer and you meant business with Jesus, we'd like for you to turn that card over and there's a place on there tonight. I trusted Jesus to be my Savior. We'd like to know. Check that box. You say, well, Rocky, what are you going to do? We're going to contact you. We're going to talk to you. We're going to tell you what Jesus has done for you. We're going to give you some material that can help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And so if you prayed that prayer a minute, just check that box. Let us know. You can leave it there in your seat. We will pick that up. Now, right now, we're going to do something that, that I believe really has some symbolic value to us as believers. We're going to have a candle lighting service. And, and let me tell you what this represents. The Bible says that Jesus is the light of the world. But when Jesus comes to live in us, and the Bible says as believers, Jesus comes to live in us. When Jesus comes to live in us, Jesus said we become the light of the world. So the light of the world, Jesus, comes to live in us, and we become the light of the world. And then Jesus said this. He said, when you're the light of the world, you don't hide the light. No, you you put the light on a hill. You put the light up high so that everybody can see it. In other words, when the light of Jesus has come to live in your life, you don't hide it. You're not ashamed of it. You let everybody know about it. And so what we're going to do is we're going to dim our lights right now. We're going to sing a song. And um, we've got some men that are going to help us out here. And we're going to have a candle lighting service. So I encourage you to join with us.
Father God, we thank you that your son Jesus came to bring light into a dark world. We thank you, Father, for the miracle of the new birth whereby Jesus comes to live in us. And because of your spirit, we become a light in the world. Father, as we go out tonight and prepare to celebrate Christmas, I pray that one of the gifts that we will give to you is a commitment in 2014 to be a light to our neighbors, our co-workers, our friends, even those we don't yet know, so the gospel can change their lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you and you have a Merry Christmas.